Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries, featuring Dave AC, The Sixth Doctor, and Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, actually, uh, you you join us while uh, Dave and Mike and I are uh, getting some exercise. We decided to take a, a, a hiking tour of the Scottish Moors. How are you enjoying it so far, Dave? Oh, absolutely invigorating. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was a good idea of yours. What? So oh, bring dra- yeah, to bring me dressing gown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice woolly hat, by the way. Ah, thank you. Uh, Mike, are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, but I notice I keep ending up up ahead on my own. I don't know if I'm too fast or you're you're just trying to avoid me or what's going on. Well, it's that the crow that keeps pooping on your head. Um, we're trying to, you know, keep away from it. <laughs> I've been trying to teach it words to say like uh, never more, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, well, we'll we'll push on and then we'll we'll get started in a minute. But you know, there's so many things to see. Hey, who's that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what? It's, uh, it's Perry. Perry? Oh, hey, Perry. Hello. What are you, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm at AwesomeCon. Uh, no, this 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 is the Scottish Moors. Um, what? Uh, I'm just at the end of the line for um, David Tennant's autograph. David Tennant's here, is he? No, he's at AwesomeCon. That's in America. No, the, 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 they said there'd be a wait, but, you know, I think it's worth it. Knew oh, he was popular, but... Well, that... You know, guys, why don't we do the commentary while we're in line with Perry? I mean, it can't shift too much while we're, you know, only yeah. Yeah, less than an hour. I think we have time. You wouldn't even make it to Glasgow at this rate. I don't know about this awesome con, but there's this awesome crow over here. Cool. I'll have you eating crow later. Oh, cool. Ay, ay, ay. Crows don't say never more, though. I tried to teach one, and uh, those are ravens. That explains it. Yeah. Mm. I overheard you as you were walking up. Mm-hmm. I knew we'd have you eaten crow later. Oh, not too sure I'm going to survive with you guys. We do something sensible along, but never mind. Keep going. Yeah, anyway. So uh, what we're doing is we're, of course, uh, talking a lot at the top of the latest episode of Doctor Who. Uh, excuse me. Is okay. this the end oh. of the line to get to David Tennant's autograph? I want to get his autograph. You know, he's really famous. Uh, Jeff, it's it's us. Dave and, uh, and, and Mike and Barry. Well, hi guys. Hi Dave. Hi Mike. Hi oh, Ian. Hey. I mean, you must hey, know Ian. Barry. He must uh, know him by now. He'd be in a John Barrowman line if he was in any. Craig. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm always looking for John Barrowman's end. I knew I'd get that joke in. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or John Barrowman's rear. <laughs> why is Jeff? Why is Jeff leaving now? Anyway, so, well, um, you might as well join in the party then, because uh, you know we're about to do uh, commentary while you guys wait for for David Tennant. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's it's I guess it's just as well that it came to the line came to Scotland since he is Scot. But anyway, um, yeah, we're gonna uh, talk all over the top of the latest episode of of Doctor Who, The Eaters of Light, uh, season. I don't even know. Ah, season <laughs> season ten, episode ten. That was difficult. <laughs> right, um, 
Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Amazon's just pulled up with our official BBC copy of Season 10, Episode 10, The Eaters of Light, Doctor Who. And so we are ready. So is everybody ready at home? Yep. Good. I can hear them. Yep. You're not at home. You're here. Memorials. Concentrate, Cooper. If Perry can be in two places at once, so could I. You're in line, remember? And he works at NASA. Remember, they got the technology. Uh, true. Yeah. All right. So I've got pop. I've got popcorn. <laughs> Keep it under your hat. <laughs> All right. If that's enough, carry on for everybody. I think we can begin. All right. I'll count everybody in, and we can start. In five, four, three, two, one. Lay. Uh, oh, pheasant day. No, that was a, I think that was a crow, not a pheasant. <laughs> if you weren't for your gum boots, where would you be? Made in Scotland from girders. Them rocks look dead naff. <laughs> Sunny Scotland, you can't beat it. Huh? Yeah. You don't have to catch the wee girl's name. Ah. Not sure I did. Uh, but the brother was, uh, Lewis McGowan. Mike's favourite bit, that. Yep. And Lewis McGowan has been in, uh, oh, he was also in Oxygen. Ah. And he's also been in, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Alienist, uh, Rillington Place, and Houdini and Doyle. First time I saw that bit, I had to back it up and make sure that I heard Doctor come from the bird. Of course, I won't I won't tread on uh, Mike's toes, but this is uh, Mike's the return to Doctor Who of Rona Monroe. But that's uh, did, did somebody say they thought that was just um, a model of the TARDIS in the distant yeah. shot? It looked, it looked all right to me. No, 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 no. A- Aim is Aim is the expert on Romans. We all know that. They're just reusing uh, past things from companions, like they've done with Bill before. Oh, Rose, Martha, Donna. Not a big fan of her outfit in this one. No, it's cause she looks like she got it from Wesley Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> like Nardal's costume, though. Hey, see, he's sensible yeah. like me, he keeps warm. I don't yeah, want to portly. Don't want to be uh, dead by Scotland. Uh, I love that line, dead by Scotland. <laughs> I think yeah. What do we think about that? I mean, is that the first reference we had 
of the doctor where he's a woman, where he said he spent time as a woman. I'm wondering whether that's another. Did he say spent time as a Roman? Isn't that no, what he said? No, no, virgin. Do you watch these before we do them? I do. I thought he said he was a Roman. He was a, a vestal private virgin. second class. No, vestal oh. virgin. I that thought he a, said Roman. He said uh, Roman. Oh, vestal virgin. You need closed caption, Dave. Need to understand these Scottish accents, which uh, vestal virgin, for those unfamiliar with the term, uh, ancient Rome, vessels or vestal virgins were priestesses of the Vesta, uh, Vesta goddesses of the hearth. Colleges of the Vestal, so on and so forth. So yeah, priestesses of goddess Vesta. But yeah, this episode was written by Rona Monroe, who, uh, the classic episode, well, original series episode, uh, Survival, which entered the, the original series was her first, uh, first project. After meeting, after she met Cartmel, besides that, she's uh, written episodes of, let's bring up that list. I had it a moment ago. Episodes of Play on Hand, the, the Play on One from 89, uh, Lady, Ladybird, Ladybird, Screen 2, Bumping the Odds. Uh, most recent thing besides this was back in 2010, Oranges, Oranges and Sunshine. But back in, I almost stepped on it, 1990, she wrote an episode of Casualty. Casualty! <laughs> this early on. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and if you had your way, this would be the episode that finished up to now, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're saying I want Doctor Who to end. That's not right. He had a break before where it ended. It's just come back. Yeah. Seven years later. (laughs) (laughs) I do like the hat. And the young girl, I'm, I'm guessing was Judy, uh, played by Jocelyn Brassington, because I can't find any information on her. So that's yeah. my guess. Yeah, and when those birds flew by a minute ago, about the worst birds I've ever seen CGI since uh, oh, Hitchcock. There's some naff stuff on this, I tell you. Probably put all the money in the finale. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's a good line. Definitely Merlin Terrace through this. One of my favourite lines are coming up. Uh-oh. Yours too, Jeff, isn't it? We shall see. <laughs> Talk it better than what you do. I definitely think this points to the fact that this was supposed to be earlier on in the series, the airing of this story. Because mm. it's one of the big explanations that are needed. He talks Last... over the top of it. Jeez. Talks over the top of the good line. He even does lip sync. <laughs> Great line. Thanks, Cooper. <laughs> Ruin everything you do. Although I don't know about that theory, Dave, because they mentioned Mars earlier in the episode. I think they added that in. I read that uh, somewhere else too that the, that this was this episode seemed like one that should have been earlier, and they just yeah. tacked on the stuff about Mars. Yeah, well, the re- simple rewrite. 
the the, re, the read through for this was in October of uh, 2016. The read through for the Mars one wasn't until January 2017. Mm. They frequently film out of order too. Yeah, episode blocks they record in, right. which are not the broadcast order. Yeah, that's right for this sunny day in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Relative. And I thought, why are the fires burning? And I was a bit thick here. I was thinking, but I'd forgotten at that moment in time that they they had gone back in time. And it's actually the morning of the battle, the morning after the battle. Right. Well. Scott. Huh? I think the Q's joined us. Yeah. They look like tenant fans to me. Yeah, you better get them behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, I was just talking to John Barrowman. Until look as she's wearing trousers. Man, she usually wears trousers, doesn't she? Mm. I just don't know the way the, the, the shirt's tucked in and, uh, anyway. Whenever I watch Buffy, you can always tell whether, you know, there's not going to be any fighting if she's in a skirt going on a date. More's the pity. <clears throat> uh, occasionally she'd have to rip part of it to uh, do her eye kicks. It does look like they did nighttime filming here. That's one thing I'll give it credit for. It doesn't look like they've done it in the daytime and then used like a filter. Right. Just a quick mention here of the art director of this episode, this entire series, Tim Overson. His, this is his first series in Doctor Who. Doesn't have much else on his resume. Uh, six episodes of a show called uh, Star Hike, six episodes of Holby City, and 22 episodes of some show called Casualty. <laughs> the numbers were down for this episode, uh, 2.89 million. But it aired, it's surprising because it aired earlier. Be, oh, hello. Now, to me, that looked like, um, what's it called? Not, not, um, not an octopus. A squid. It looked like a squid in shape. Mm. Um, but we'd all be saying how Doctor has been aired too late, certainly in the UK. And this was the earliest screening of all at 6.45. Right. <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately, we just met, uh, met, uh, Rowan Ned, uh, who was, uh, playing Simon. Uh, but he's uh, gone and um, been eaten ah. by the creature, you know. Yeah, you mentioned that 2.89 million, that's the lowest audio, unofficial audience figure for mm. the ser- modern series. But it doesn't really, it's a number that doesn't really mean, mean anything because it doesn't take into account the changed TV landscape in other ways, like iPlayer and stuff. But I'm guessing that next year, when the show, when Chidmill takes over, that number will start to mean something. Right. I often wondered why they shipped the start time in the UK. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in the States, usually a show starts same day, same time every week. Well, with the BBC, of course, they don't have any advertisers to uh, to keep uh, happy 
they can move the schedules about um, in terms of whatever else is going on. I mean, in one case, um, there was a, a big uh, event on and they didn't want it to clash uh, with another channel's thing. So they moved it on purpose. Uh, it was the big charity one, in fact, the um, the one Love Manchester concert after the uh, the big disaster at uh, Manchester. And um, because it was a charity event, they wouldn't do it for an ordinary programme. They moved uh, the time so they wouldn't clash. And looking at the schedule for yesterday on uh, BBC One, there was a is it the, there's always some usually some sport uh, sports event or something that airs on Saturdays. I noticed at least recently. There's and, a rugby match. Yeah, there's a rug, rugby league challenge cup that Warrington versus Wigan. And lately, it's Doctor Who's the lead-in show to Doctor Who's been pointless celebrities. I've noticed that lately. Mm. I think he's probably by dressing him. Won't take me a jiffy to make. And Doctor Who's itself a lead-in show to pitch battle, at least this Saturday. So <laughs> there's a look at the uh, British scheduling. Yeah. Because it's still one of the biggest shows on the BBC iPlayer. Which is having a change at the moment. You actually have to sign into it because of the uh, the change in the, the laws. You didn't need to have a, um, a license to watch programs after the event just for live shows, but they're changing it. You have to sign in properly now. I'm the key master. <laughs> I had the same reaction the first time I saw this. There is no Dana. There is only Zool. <laughs> five one. We beat the Romans five one. Sorry. There's <laughs> <laughs> the Roman and the Gloman. That mandarin orange is kicking in. Yes, it is. And I, I, I just love that line. I mean, I do a mean spag bowl. And for those in America, spaghetti bolognese. And we're at 13 and a half minutes. And on the screen is Rebecca Benson, who's actually uh, appeared on Doctor Who, the show, which is on YouTube, if you feel like looking it up. It's on the Doctor Who uh, YouTube channel. It's a little kind of after show where they talk to people from the production. But uh, she's also in uh, uh, The White Princess, The Crown, Game of Thrones. Yeah. 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 Holby City and Shetland. Um, she plays uh, Tala Tali, um, Sam Tali, one of the uh, Night Watch gatekeepers. It's a brother. Not a gatekeeper? Yeah, that's true. What the hell's the keymaster then? <laughs> oh, he has a timekeeper here. That's Dave. Ah. Ah. Yes. Nice one. See, look at that. They could do popcorn quicker in those days than the microwave now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Perry's looking for David Tennant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the line's moving, guys. Just shift to here. <laughs> Look at those fellas. Been standing there so long, they turned to stone. Yeah. 
We're probably saving you a hundred dollars doing this, Perry. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Bit like the idea of the uh, the pyramids, where the light only shines through the um, at a certain set times. Obviously, this is at dawn. Well, I think there's a line, uh, something about the daylight only comes through a few hours a year. Mm. At that particular angle, yeah. Right. Uh, they look like they're swimming. It's fluidic space, Jeff. <laughs> species 8472! <laughs> oh, sorry, that's Species 8471. <laughs> no relation. So it looks like those um, long things are actually uh, to the rear, more like tails rather than forward-facing tentacles. <laughs> and of course... Well, uh, he said there to tell them stories. We were talking about, uh, you know... Uh, occupation in Scotland, it goes way back before this, the Scarabray ruins in the, the North Islands of Scotland were there in before 3000 BC. So, you know, one of the earliest settlements in the whole of the British Isles. Ah, that came straight up my tongue. I was going to say that. Yeah. Ah, too busy chatting with the natives. I found it sometimes it was difficult to hear the uh, the words because the 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 music is incessant. Really, are they? That's a common problem in modern Doctor Who. It is. Fire your face at the rocks and start fire. I've noticed that on the BBC America broadcast, but um, I listening, you know, like on a DVD, I don't have the same problem with the audio as I do with a live broadcast. Right. I don't know so, if the audio is mixed a little bit different for DVD, Blu-ray. Well, it depends on how you're listening to it, whether it's coming through... If if it's a Blu-ray, it's come to the HM, you know the 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 main connector as a Pro Logic or um, Dolby Digital sound, or it's coming through as analog stereo or something. But you're right, it is an issue. It's definitely mixed for 5.1, I think. Well, I know Darth has commented on how nice it sounds on a surround sound. Mm. Just a light one. Just to cover some uh, some more cast while we're at it. Uh, playing Cornelius is Billy Matthews. And Billy Matthews has also been in Hooligan Factory. Ready Hell, it's Harry and Paul. New Tricks. And uh, One Night. I'm assuming that and Cornelius, he's one of the Romans. Just a guess. Stab in the dark. Yeah. And she's got a bottle opener on her shirt as well. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I was like, a cable? 
What? Well, maybe because she's gatekeeper. Uh, uh, oh yeah, it's a symbol of a a role. Yeah, you're quite mm. right. Definitely Merlin's habitat. That hello, and on the knee, cheeky chappy. <laughs> uh, leave this to Ian yeah love this bit really my only favourite scene in this episode is this ah whatever like whatever this. <laughs> yeah, I do think that a lot of people think that all history is like Victorian history, you know, very straight late and everything's under the rug, as though ever always before that it was like that. Right. But the pendulum swings, doesn't it? I mean... Oh. Uh, um, and playing Lucius is uh, Brian, Brian uh, Vernal, who's actually uh, featured in uh, uh, Big Finish Audio, Deathras, as Robert. That's not which a good is look. A, which is a fourth Doctor Romana story. I had a lot of fourth Doctor references. I mean, like with this one, the, um, the language thing uh, I mentioned on the live show that... Uh, in Mask of Mandragra. Uh, that's where the fourth doctor says to Sarah, um, Sarah questions why she can understand the 15th century Italian. And the doctor doesn't explain, but eventually says, um, it is a time lord gift I allow you to share. Uh, oh, and um, Brian Vernell has also uh, been in Star Wars The Force Awakens. If you remember when they've... Uh, when they're on Han and Chewie's new ship and uh, Ray and what's his name? Hayden below and the two guys that come to get their money or whatever. Uh, oh, there's yeah. a Scottish Con- sounding Con- one. Conjo clan or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The character's name is uh, Balatik. Yeah, that is him. I knew I recognized him. Yep. He's also been in the last kingdom, uh, the casual vacancy. Grantchester, Perry. Hmm? Ah, been no, in Perry. He's, he's been in Perry. He's been in Perry. Oh. Hello, hello. Oh. <laughs> Never even call me back. What's the rating oh on this again? I know. May have to up the rating. Ah. <laughs> I'm playing uh, Vitus, who's uh, another, you know, one with a narrow sexuality. Is Sam? Here we go. Sam and a woman. What? Sam and a woman. Say that five times fast. Sam and a woman. Sam, Sam, I'm having trouble with Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's also been in uh, the Hatton Garden job, Dixie, The Missing, and uh, Prime Suspect, 1973. Eighteen. 
middle middle aged. Hmm. Get with me, you're gonna live. Oh, sorry, won't you? Very strange, isn't it? Because you always feel as though people reach maturity earlier nowadays, mm. but yet they're like they were old people by the time they were Ian's age. I mean, sorry, uh, oh, know, hey. thirty-five. <clears throat> Come on now, old age jokes. That's a bit of on the nose. I'd never do that, Dave. <laughs> so how did the night leave to disappear, Dave? Since you were there, I don't know. I was, with the, I was with the first. Could have done a bit more uh, research on these markings. They don't look very uh, Celtic. Perhaps they are. Mm. Uh, And we're watching, guys. There's five of yes. us here. Someone, somebody talk. Well, I thought would stop talk, uh, stop uh, glaring at uh, David Tennant. <laughs> it's called stockings, dude. That embarrasses his daughter doing that. Mm. Oh yeah. And playing uh, Marcus is Aaron uh, Fag- uh, Fagura. Yeah, I got that one. Out. Yay. And uh, he's also been in Unforgotten. Uh, the Coroner, him, and Suburban Dracula. I think the only one I have not mentioned uh, so far is Ban. Did I? It should have been behind the mission there, really. <laughs> Amazing how often you're in caves in these science fiction shows. Well, those these look like studio caves. Right. And I think a lot of this was done in in studio from uh, from what uh, was mentioned on the the Doctor Who the show. Yeah, band is uh, being played by Daniel Kerr. Who's also been in the Four O'clock Club? Oh wait, wait. Right. Outlander, Waterloo Road, Being Human, and The Wee Man. I'm not quite sure if they are eaters of light. How they're getting light out of people is it's is it the melanin they're after? I mean, it's it's a little bit vague. Barry. Yeah, Barry. I mean, the, 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 when you it's see the street. remains, it's just the skin left, isn't it? The, all the soft, the soft tissues, all the hard tissues are gone. All the calcium and that's gone out of the bodies. 
I think Perry's going to sleep. No, I'm here. I just don't have a good answer for your question. <laughs> well, come on. Theoretical physics, not a problem. Well, I propose uh, that this might happen and that might happen. And, <laughs> oh, really? And this oh. will go at the speed of light, blah, blah, blah. But an episode of Doctor Who, I don't know. It's explained by convenient TV science. There you go. Yeah, you say the words, I have no recollection of that event. <laughs> oh, you mean they're pulling all of the virtual photons out of all of the atoms in your body, and then so that consumes all of the, you know, all of the flesh and bones. See, was that that hard? See, it's like dehydration except with light. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> imagine, imagine a box that contains all of the light that's in your body, just like that. Photonic dehydration. That's all you need to say. Is this where they have in these scripts where it just says, uh, "Put scientific gobbledygook in here"? Yeah, I think so. Te- techno babble. Techno babble. That's the one. Yeah. I think Dave is. I think Sorry, Dave has fallen fallen asleep here on the job. Oh, the yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, we got two. All right. Oh, yeah. And it's twenty <laughs> twenty eight minutes and fifty seconds. About bloody time. I do it three times now with that. And it's a short episode. Oh, I think it's about time we do a time check there. <laughs> How long did you say you were in there for? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, see, I didn't understand why they say the sun and the stars. How did they get up into space? Yeah, yeah I kind of wondered that myself. Barry, well, do you have an answer? Yeah. How would a creature? Well, eat you know, them? through the quantum teleportation effect, it's um, you know, solar consumption. Um, I can't do it. I can't do funny take them. Come on, I was I was totally buying into that. That was a stellar idea. I'm almost as stupid as Dave. I was buying into the whole thing. (laughs) I don't think they have to. I don't think they really have to leave the Earth. I think it's just as the light comes to them, they just eat it and it absorb it, absorb it, absorb it. Pulls the energy out. I've got this note here from the production crew with their explanation. This is how the creatures get. Hey, what's that over there? Hey, look at that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're back to the rings of Akatayan then, aren't they? Where that. Kept absorbing stuff. You just had to remind me of that, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, sorry about that. Just think (laughs) Jack-O-Lantern. Now, uh, Darth wasn't so impressed with Bill's portrayal this time. Um, I don't know... What well, it's, it is set off badly at the beginning where, out of the blue, she's into this the mysterious disappearance of the, the Ninth Legion. Mm-hmm. It would have been so much better if that had been seeded like way back in the beginning. Yeah. And that, side, like, that sounds like Irish music rather than Scottish. Well, it's Celtic. It's a, so a bit, there's a, yeah, a bit jiggy. You're, you're getting jiggy with it. Jiggy? Uh, there's, there's a lot of Similarity between Irish and, and yeah. Scottish music. Well, half of you would know that. 
What do you call him? Bastard. No, monster. Uh, uh, That's what oh, I thought. But then somebody said it said monster. There's, like, no, it's there's monster. the line. There's the line. They've marked the line out for us. Yep. The David Tennant footpath. Oh, yeah. David Tennant way. This is what they do to people who try to cut in line. <laughs> and here you I am. No, no, see, David. Sorry. Tentacles Sorry. are coming out of its mouth, Dave. Ah. So go ahead, Mike. I was just saying that minus those tentacles, it looks like a behemoth from modern Final Fantasy games. I just kept <laughs> thinking that. It looks like one of the creatures out of Prime uh, Evil, actually. Okay, here's a sciencey thing. You know how how the the light is sort of changing direction <laughs> to go through those things. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's kind of... uh, it's refractive index of it, isn't it? Um, sure. Well, they're pulling the light from the torches. As well. Yeah, but it's bending now. Bending big time on a few of them. Those things are playing tennis. I suppose they're irregular crystals, so each one's bending it slightly differently. They're magic crystals, so they don't obey the laws of physics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely looking like primeval with that portal now. But what I don't, what I don't understand is the gate opens when the light hits it, right? Yeah. So why don't they close the door? Just saying. Are you picking well, up plot holes? Well, they said something about how they have to open it once a year to because it builds up to stress release some kind of uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah to vent it. This is a poor solution even for himself. I mean, he's already lived through the universe once. In hell bent and mm-hmm. yeah, but he kept getting recreated. Yes, yeah, so he didn't. He did, yeah, he, he only lived one day, didn't he? In that, Rebecca Benson had lovely things to say about her experience on the show, especially about Peter Capaldi, saying he's just so generous and such such a wonderful presence on set and so welcoming. To, to everybody. And he seems very, very aware of the importance of, of, of him being the doctor and, you know, welcoming people onto the set and everything. And she actually kept, uh, her appearance secret from, uh, her family. Oh. She was in Wales and she said she was in Wales to do some pickup shots for, I think, I, you know, another show that she was in. And she actually kept it from her family. She wanted to surprise them. Yeah, a connection. One of the programs she's been in is Shetland. And of course, that was Doug Henshaw. Henshaw that was a leader Mm. in that. And he was primeval guy. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, you're going nowhere. Hmm. And in that was also Julie Graham, who was in Sarah Jane Adventures, playing Ruby White in the uh, Goodbye Sarah Jane Smith story. Crikey. Well, she was in the the Bletchley Circle she was in. No, this this Julie Graham that was also in Primeval with this, it's like seven degrees of separation I'm talking Mm. about. Oh, yeah. 
I thought I missed somebody in the casting. I thought you were having a dig. Oh. That's the first sensible thing Nardle said. Let's bug her off. Self-preservation. That's not a very good effect there either. No. I've seen those same birds three times. Maybe they are the same birds, Dave. Yeah. No, I meant same flight path. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just had to pick on you, Dave. Roman soldiers that? coming through mists. A bit uh, war gamesy. Oh, God. Uh, and of course, in survival, the lead character in that was Kara. Yeah. Same writer, same name. Mm-hmm. It's a bit, a bit limiting, isn't it? As a Roma would say, it's a narrow lifestyle. So that's supposedly a model of the TARDIS down there. Ah, at that one, right. What I don't understand is the nightly entry completely disappeared, right? No, no remains, right? Right. What about that field where they all died? What happened to that? Well, those remains would have gone in 2,000 years. Well, what, what, shields and swords. And... Yeah, but if they know that, they would have to know the exact location to do right. the mines, the sweeping, wouldn't they? I suppose. I think it's the same valley where the town was at the beginning of the episode. But could be wrong. Yeah, but the town wasn't there around when. I mean, they've got uh, the. the Mind you, he knew where to send his TARDIS, didn't he? So they must have known. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Getting crowded in this commentary. I mean, in this TARDIS. I mean, the story was over in about 37 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is that annoying disconnect between the end of the previous episode and this one. Yeah. That unknown gap of time. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was my favorite line. Don't let me go squeaky voiced. <laughs> Unless my, they're playing on this uncertainty of whether she's had a conversion or is um, playing... Oh, that's, that's a huge part of the plot right there. Yeah. Notice uh, she did a sing-song there. <laughs> Foreshadowing something. You're not hearing the sound of drums, are you? No, no, no. Something else, Dave. (laughs) Guitar. Yeah. 
And I found this kind of, well, I like yeah. that. The rainbow. Thank you. Another? But I found. Are those Cybermen there? Are those Cybermen? Cybermen's. Oh, Romans fighting the era of, like, anyway. They look like, they look like Simons on the, t- uh. Reading too much into it, David. Yep. But the, them going from that scene to this thing, I expected the episode to end where the girl was listening to the music. That's but then we short. go back to this, and it's just like, mm-hmm. it just jarred a little. I, I, it I, did, it did. Yeah. I mean, it's a I nice see- scene, this. I like this, but it just felt weird going back and forth like that. Yeah, well, what happened? They were, the running time was two minutes short. They said, should we all go back to Scotland for the next two minutes recording? I said, mm-hmm. no, we won't. And anyway, there's that big David Tennant queue there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they got all the extras. I said on the last show, Perry, because I, I know you couldn't make that, mm-hmm. I pity they didn't meet Jamie McCrimmon there. They, they should have oh, gone, yeah. gone to a, a time in history in Scotland when it was, you know, rather than have Romans, have... Uh, Jamie there's the leader of the, you know, in his 60s. That would have been lovely. He does this beautifully. Yeah. Uh-oh. Whether she's messing with him or not, it's... Absolutely You, you kind of buy into it. Uh, ooh, Nathan. And I also get the feeling that this is back to Stephen Moffat. Right, right this scene. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, at this point. Not going to end well. She she yeah. works her time on screen, doesn't she? She makes the oh, camera look at her. Hello. She dabbed. Yeah. I just. Hmm. Uh. I like that they're playing the. Uh... Ice Warrior theme here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But was that globe upside down? <laughs> <laughs> and a big tease at the end. Yep. Babe. Go on, Ian. Big tease. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. What, like, like Oolong? Uh, Earl Grey? <laughs> <laughs> Samsu ship, too, what it's called. You, you almost, it. you almost put your foot in there, Cooper. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that was interesting. Um, there's so much thing, so many things actually I want to say about the the the, the, the end of the trailer. I've got a theory, but you know, it's there's people who try to avoid spoilers and stuff, and not that it's a spoiler, but you know. It's I'm just going to avoid it anyway. But just, just, just be known, uh, in the next two episodes of this commentary, you'll, you'll know whether I'm right or not. You just won't know what I was right, actually I thinking it. now. Right. But I'll tell you if I was right. You were thinking John Barman. On that same note, there's this one thing that I thought of, and you'll, you'll find out that I'm right too. Okay. We should <laughs> write it down on a piece of paper and then, you know, reveal it. We'll do the big reveal. Pull up our pieces of paper and we'll see go. that we were right. All right. Speaking of who's right, who's left, who's going first, mm. I think uh, we'll go with Perry. Oh. 
<laughs> oh, you were in line longest. Well, I was. I have been. You were in line longest, yeah. No, I'm just bad at this part. I'm good at watching. Except for the line. We notice. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching David Tennant for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've got my telescope hooked up. I can almost see him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's a NASA one, so, you know. Yeah. Well, good, thing, using good, thing the, good thing the line goes through this portal here that I found. Ah. Um, anyway. Um, I don't know. I. Okay, well... Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what to make of this episode. I, I didn't. I didn't really think that much of it. Um, like Mike said, it, it's it's probably one of Bill's weakest uh, episodes. So I wasn't really. And I and I've really liked Bill all through this season so far. Um. um yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of. Sort of a, it's just a weak story, and and um, I wasn't that into it. And wrapping the all the the, the stuff about Missy around it, uh, not really that interested in that either, to be honest. And so so yeah, I don't have that much to say. I, I, there was some I was reading earlier some review somebody wrote on the IMDb page about how if that Roman soldier admitted to being gay would have been executed, but. Um, pretty sure that, um, male male relationships were just, like they said, it was just ordinary. And, uh, it, they did that sort of thing. And how it was accepted as long as they had the, um, I think they said something about the dominant, you know, sort of role or something like that. I, I, I was reading a little bit about it. Um, but, and, uh, so I don't, I don't know the story about the eaters of light and the portal thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I spent a little time trying to think about you know how that would work and how they could still be down there fighting two thousand years later. I mean, if uh, if 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 a, a second in there is about a day, you know, in the world, then it'd be about you know it'd be about six minutes a year in there fighting. So six thousand minutes, or um, or twelve thousand minutes, you know, is a long time. So I don't know if they would have lasted that long, you know, against these things, uh, even with several of them. So, um, yeah, I yeah, it just didn't make sense. And then, like we were saying, some of the stuff at the beginning about Bill suddenly being a big fan of the Romans, you know, is. And, you know, as Jeff said, it's just too reminiscent of lots of stuff they've been repeating. There's a lot of themes and little notes they've been repeating all season long. I think we've talked about this every time I've been on the commentaries this season is that, you know, you can find little bits, you know, that, that are remind you of, of past episodes. And, uh, so it just seems like common themes just keep coming back and just, you know, like they put them in a bag and shake them up and then bring them out, you know, sort of randomly and put them back together, uh, in different episodes. Um, so, I mean, that being said, I, I, I like Nardole in this episode. Uh, he was pretty funny and the, and the whole, I, the whole thing with him just wanted to go back to bed and wearing his bathrobe and, and his hat, his hat. Um, yeah, as far as the doctor goes, I, you know, he was okay in this episode. I, 
I didn't like him quite as much and the, uh, in this one. I don't know. It was kind of a blah episode for me, I think. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Next up, we'll go with, let's see. We'll go with Mike. Hold on to your horses. <laughs> no. I'm No, no. Yeah, okay. This episode was, as was, as Darth pointed out on the show today, this was a short story. And as, as I was, as I was watching the episode, the plot itself was, res- was resolved and the, the doctor and compa- companions returned to the TARDIS at around the 36, 37 minute mark, maybe 33, sometime in that frame. So this, the story itself barely took half an hour to, to tell, maybe right at half an hour. And for a Doctor Who nowadays, which is around you typically around forty-five minutes per episode, that's a that's a really short story. And for this to fill an episode, there was a lot of filler. Otherwise, this the scene at the end and then in the TARDIS, there was all that added added just to, to pad out time, and I guess also set set the stage for the two-part finale, but. Just to fill time is what I also got got from that because there's a lot of that they, they could have abbreviated and or just done without if if the, if the story could have been fleshed out a bit more and the story itself there's not a lot going to it there's it's just it, it it's just a simple a lot of it's just conjecture about okay how do we defeat this the, these creatures okay we do this to defeat these creatures and then the doctor wants to sacrifice himself to to save the earth or whatever and that felt hollow because there wasn't enough build up for that that was just suddenly sprung up, sprung on kind of with a, a bit of foreshadowing with the uh the fact that the time there was a time differential at the at the, the at or in the rift but not really didn't have as much of an emotional impact um all, all sorts, uh, other little tidbits in this episode. Really, the only thing that I liked about this episode was the the scene where the the where we had the LGBT characters talking about the, their orientations, and that was that was it. The rest of it was just kind of slow and not. Well, I say slow, just kind of not really well written. Uh, Darth pointed out a lot of similarities to. Uh, Rona Monroe's original series story, Survival, a lot of parallels to that, where if you've seen that, you've seen this one. And, uh, it's been some years since I've seen that one, but, uh, I do see a lot of similarities there. Um, besides that, the, 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 the scene at the end of the, in the, in the TARDIS, the fact that that went on for so long after the story just kind of spoke a lot about how little t- there was to the story. The fact that, that one part that really stuck out of me as being really stupid, was the was oh the characters her name was Carr and that's because that's what crows say crows say Carr that's that just I I wanted to shout at my computer that's so stupid and the, we're at the see the series ten has been weird it's been the first few up pilot was a good episode had some had some really good moments um smile had some good moments thin ice was a good episode. Had a really great moment where the doctor punched a certain character that I could watch on, on a loop and never get tired of. And then Knock Knock came around and the series started going downhill. We had the three-parter with the monks. And then we had the Mars episode and it's just been a sharp downhill turn in quality of, of Doctor Who. It's, it's, uh, Moffat's Who returned and then it actually did return and, with bad <laughs> episodes. 
and here we are with this. And now I'm tempering my expectations of this two-part finale. I've ex there's a lot riding on this. I want this to be good, considering who's re considering who and who and who all is returning for this episode, for this two-parter. I want it to be good, and now I have doubts, considering the trailer. The trailer just makes me think, oh god, another stupid setup for another, what's probably going to be a dumb story. But I hope, maybe, maybe it'll surprise me. This episode, my immediate reaction was something along the lines of, I've seen, I've seen some dumb episodes of Doctor Who in my time, and this is definitely one of them. Forgettable. Nothing, completely, completely forgettable outside of that one scene. And, yeah, move on. Bring on the last two episodes of the series, which are going to be much more exciting than this drivel, this mess, this forgettable nonsense. And that's that. Well, hopefully it's just the calm before the storm or the boredom before the storm. <clears throat> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I agree with some of the stuff that Mike says. Okay, well, I just, you know, I get a different, different outlook on it. But then again, we all watch Doctor Who in different ways and, you know, so no hope that hate mail for for Mike, like Mike. Oh, bring on the hate mail! No, no, <laughs> it's all opinions. We've all got different opinions on how the how the show goes and and everything. And here up with another opinion is Jeff. Well, first up, uh, something you said just there about uh, calm before the storm, Ian. That's kind of what I felt as well. Uh, we've had a lot of episodes in the past of uh, New Who before the the two or three part ending uh we've had fear her the lodger closing time in the forest of the night they were light episodes they were kind of a throwaway episodes and that's kind of how i felt about this one the calm before the storm as you mentioned um i i liked this episode the first time i viewed it now i've seen it three times and each time my appreciation goes down a little bit for it um, I'm seeing things in it that uh, don't quite jive with me. Some things that, you know, the the, the science just isn't there, as, as we kind of heard in this commentary where Perry was having some trouble coming up with some explanations for these things, uh, and for good reason. Um, so, yeah, the, the science didn't make a lot of sense here. How was the creatures, you know, taking the light out of, people how was it going to take the light out of the sun and out of the stars it it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for me and we seem to have a lot of this in doctor who especially the last several seasons where we've had a lot of soft science or magic fantasy um, i want something a little more realistic uh, i like realistic science in my my sci-fi uh, this is more fantasy you know, We've also had the Love Conquers All. Uh, we didn't have it in this episode per se, but uh, we've had a lot of that in the last few seasons as well. Uh, so I'm hoping uh, when we go to Chimnall next next series, uh, we get a little more hard science or realistic science. Uh, so that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the monster wasn't very good in this. The, the CGI at point, points wasn't very good. It was kind of dodgy. Uh, the effects weren't all that great either. Um, the doctor didn't have a lot to do in this. Uh, he he kind of got the the locals together as he normally does, but uh, then he was prevented from coming up with the solution. 
uh, and, and implementing that. Uh, we had the, the locals and the Romans doing that instead in this. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. Uh, maybe have something a little bit different uh, than we normally expect with the show. But the doctor's the hero, and, and I want him to, to come up with the solution and, and implement it and you know, see him win the day, so to speak. And we, we just didn't really have that, that here. Um, love Nardell in this. Uh, he's been great all series. Uh, I just wish we had a little more of him in the earlier episodes because he has been so great. But uh, since um, Oxygen, I guess it was, uh, we've had a lot more of him, and, and I'm glad for that. Uh, he's really put some uh, he's put some great stuff into the, the episodes, uh, great lines and great humor and uh, being serious when he needs to be. And uh, that's just been uh, terrific having him here. And I was very skeptical of the character when the when the series started so uh very surprised with that and i'm glad i'm surprised with that uh he's he's turned out to be a delight uh the best part of the episode was missy again and the episode she's been in i think she has been the the best parts of those stories uh love those those scenes that she were she was in um going back to the the last episode the empress of mars i I just wonder why the TARDIS took off with Nardal back to Earth and then refused to go back to Mars and how Missy got the TARDIS to go to Mars. There's something going on there. I don't know if Missy has some scheme going on, a plan, or if the TARDIS knows something and is uh, forcing the issue of bringing Missy into these, uh, these scenarios. I don't know. I, I'm hoping uh, something comes of that, and I hope I'm mildly mildly surprised uh, that the TARDIS does know something. Something's going on there. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. I have no uh, reason to believe that. It's just uh, something that crossed my mind. Uh, no spoilers there. But if she's really been the best part of these episodes, uh, I really want to know if she is being genuine, if she wants to change. I don't know if she is. And I just wonder what it would be like to have, quote unquote, a good master or good Missy in in the universe. So um, I guess we'll perhaps find out in these final two episodes that are coming up. Um, So, yeah, this was a light episode. This was uh, wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was okay. So it's kind of a middle of the road, as I kind of mentioned in the, uh, the text chat during the live show today. So. Yeah, probably about a three out of five for me on this episode. Uh, looking forward to the next two episodes and hoping that uh, I'm surprised and uh, hoping for something really good coming up for the final two. So that's my bet. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I'm going to go next and we'll leave you with Dave. Um, yeah, because we're just sick of him, so we're just going to leave him with you. No, not you, you. Uh, the one on the right? Yeah. He's all yours. I hope you have wine on hand. Anyway, um, I I still kind of like this episode. I'm not blind. I I do see the fake rocks, um, the bad uh, video effects of the the birds flying, uh, the lack of you know depth of the story as far as you know some of the facts and stuff like that. Um, 
part of me does wonder is this a lacking on Ronan Monroe's part or is this a teardown of the story that she originally submitted to allow them to put these bits at the end? I don't know. Yeah, we're not a, in the BBC production office. So unfortunately, we'll, we'll never know. Because I'd like to think that her story involved more than it did. Um, just because I happen to like survival. And I happen to like the things that, you know, happened in that episode and they were quite interesting that, you know, these creatures hunting off world and creating these portals to go get their food and stuff like that. And then being tied into the planet. I thought there was something kind of cool about that. But, you know, all we can do is, is, uh, is, is ruminate on, on what might have been the problem there. But yeah, there are problems. Um, I choose to ignore because. <laughs> I kind of like this episode. Uh, there's some nice, funny lines. Um, some good stuff by Peter Capaldi, if you ask me. Um, and some insightful things about the Doctor. Uh, there's the scene when uh, the Romans and, and the Scots are, are finally together. Um, and Bill kind of figures out the whole Taurus translation thing and the way he hears people, you know, like like they're all children. And and it kind of helps you understand why the Doctor allows everybody to understand them uh, each other when he's in the vicinity. It's so he can help people. You know, it's a thing that he allows people to do. He allows people to be able to understand each other and it's a very simple form so he can, you know, better help everyone, which I think is kind of interesting. And I've never really looked at that that way before because I've always looked at the the translation ability as just a, a neat way of explaining away the fact that no matter what planet you go to, everyone speaks English. But this kind of puts a nice little spin on it, like this is the way the doctor helps people. He helps everybody be able to un- understand and communicate on the same level. And uh, I think that's kind of kind of neat. Um, did like Bill's realization? It does jar a little because it comes a little late in the series. Um. You know, it should have come up before now. But, you know, the lines were still good. Uh, and it does lip sync, too, because that takes it a step further. Uh, rather than saying, you know, it's like, well, I'm just hearing you speaking English. Something's translating in my head. The whole lip sync line just, just made me laugh out loud. I'm like, that's funny. It even does lip sync. <laughs> uh, but, of course, my favorite part, like Mike's, was the whole discussion of uh, sexual orientation in the cave. Um, I've got a small little soapbox here. The the thing I like about it is that uh, a lot of people tend to be under the impression that you know being gay, being bisexual, uh, being transgender is is something new. It's something that's that's been interesting, interesting and. People are just doing it to jump on a bandwagon or because it's trendy or whatever, or they're just wanting to be different. It's been around for a long, long time. And attitudes changed throughout the years and the centuries. And, uh, I mean, heck, we used to wander around naked with, you know, just skins covering us. And, you know, now, you know, you know, then we went through the Victorian era where everybody was covered up, you know, right up to the neck, all the way down to the, you know, you, you, you couldn't even expose an ankle. 
And so we go through these periods of, you know, of change and sort of put Bill in that situation where she realizes that, oh, things aren't always the same. Yeah, things aren't, you know, because younger is a civilization and doesn't mean that we looked at it the same way. And and I like the fact that bisexuality is I mean, we we had um, Captain Jack, who was omnisexual, but he was from the far future. And here we have bisexuality finally being represented in Doctor Who, which I really enjoyed. And just the simple explanation of it is like, well, it's a bit narrow, but hey, at least you know what you want. You know, I thought that was just a very, very nice simplification of it. And I really kind of enjoyed the little placement of that. And this happened a bit throughout the series where they've used um, Bill's sexuality as as a bit of a storytelling piece, but not whacking you over the head with it. It's nicely done and gently done, and, you know, it's, it's quite clever. And a little rainbow at the end, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but thank you. Um, well, Ian, not to interrupt too, too bad, but uh, okay. what I liked about that conversation that mm-hmm. you're referring about is, you know, Bill explains how she just likes women and then, um, I forget the other, the man, the other, the, the other Roman soldier's name who just, who just likes men. And mm-hmm. then they, some, and then she asks Lucius, you know, what, what about you? And he goes, Oh no, I, I'm ordinary. I like both. No, no, I like everybody. Yeah. You know, so like, I thought, like that's ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because, you know, it's not funny, only is, you know? is, is being bisexual. Okay. It's, it's, it's just ordinary. ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's really, anyway, yeah, because it's really, it's like, yeah, it's just, you just love everybody. It's like, yeah. 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 So that was my favorite bit. And, you know, I really kind of enjoyed that little bit because I was kind of waiting for it and it kind of took me by surprise, which I like because as I've said many a time, I like it when TV surprises me and this surprised me a bit because I did not expect them to go that route. I thought they would go with the, Oh, I only like girls. You only like girls? Ah, you know, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah. But no, they turned it on its head and made her look like the backward one. And, and I thought that was rather, rather cool. But anyway, the rest of the story, yeah, um, it's very, very, it's a doctor light, <laughs> if you, if you want to call it that. The doctor doesn't really do much apart from pulling together, which he does very well. I mean, it's, it's, um, I think, I don't know who said it, whether it was Perry or Jeff or Mike, but it's like they pull a Doctor Who, I think it was Perry, pull a Doctor Who idea out of a, out of a hat. But that's, that's been this, this season, I think, is revisiting kind of the things that make Doctor Who, you know, Doctor Who and, you know, kind of revisiting the way the show used to be. And I'm wondering what the, the reason for that is, you know, I don't know whether Stephen Moffat's just kind of pulling back a little bit, slowing down, trying to strip away a lot of the stuff that he put on it, uh, in earlier seasons, uh, to make it an easier transition for the new team. Um, but I'm actually kind of liking it. It's, it's less complicated. And I mean, you can tell because we're sitting here and we're trying to figure out what does this mean? What does that mean? Because that's kind of things that, uh, we've, but come, come to expect from you who, I mean, RTD did the same thing. I mean, we had, you know, oh, what does Bad Wolf mean? What does Bad Wolf mean? You know, throughout the whole of the first season. And, uh, so, you know, 
and then uh, references to to you know um, oh uh, the master called himself um, Saxon yeah and then the whole Saxon thing so we spend a lot of time with New Who trying to figure out well, what does this mean what does that mean throughout the entire season you know each season and it's kind of nice on this one we know something's coming and it involves Missy and that's about it kind of nice it's a bit easy going but it's nice and yeah this is just like i said it's the the calm before the storm the, the easy going episode before we get the the guns at the end and uh yeah so I, i'm giving it a, a three out of five so yeah and now i think it's dave's turn if you can wait oh up. my oh? turn to say oh you finished <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna Wait. go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, bake a cake while while well, Dave talks, and then we'll be back. Yeah, Wait you might. Me when yeah. he's done. Yeah, right. you might. You might be able to shuffle along a few yards on this cube by the time I've ended. No, I think we'll get David Tennant's signature done by the time you're done. No, no, no I think <laughs> I, I won't talk long. I think this is a a little uh, a much to do about nothing episode in one sense. Um, I mean, we went from. Empress of Mars to deep fried Mars bars, didn't we? I mean, it was. <laughs> Good uh, joke. Uh, yeah, the way I tell them. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, this series is only 12 episodes. Uh, we had a three parter. I think uh, a couple of people on the uh, Cult and Collective Facebook page made uh, the, the fact that that. Uh, I don't think the, uh, the, the monks story warranted three episodes uh, and. and Really, uh, I would have preferred that to have been two-part and maybe another two-part here. Uh, this was definitely a short story. Now, whether it had been uh, commissioned as such, because um, Stephen Moffat wanted to get a lot in, uh, as Michael already said, there was there were basically uh, nearly as many endings as there were in Lord of the Rings. I mean, there was uh, quite a few endings, because uh, they had their ending, then the children had their ending, then... They had the Missy and the TARDIS ending, and then they had the Doctor and Missy and the TARDIS ending. Uh, so if you take out the uh, the children either end, uh, you, you literally are, mate. You're down to 30 minutes. Let's see something. This is definitely going to be a BBC America-friendly episode because they won't have to chop anything out because there's no, uh, you know, it, it will fit right in there. Um Yes, uh, it also suffered, I think, from following on from Empress of Mars, which I thought was a, a quite a strong episode from Mark Gatiss. Uh, seemed to be very well researched. The, the, the characters seemed to be on point for their time period. Now, I'm not saying that these actresses weren't. Uh, in actual fact, um, I was quite taken by um, uh, the young girl, the, the, the keeper, played by Rebecca Benson. I thought she had a quite powerful and stirring little speech. Uh, the Romans were fine. Uh, and once you realize that really these were basically the remnants, the stragglers, the inexperienced uh, Roman soldiers that had been basically, you know, left behind or a little bit like um, in the First World War, all the commanding officers had died. And basically you've got a corporal leading a group um, because all the all the main officers have, have been killed. Um, I thought it was atmospheric. Um you know, we, we were in Scotland, it seemed. Whether it was done on the Welsh Moors or not, it seemed quite 
good for Yorkshire, but the effects definitely seemed substandard. So, no, I, I don't think it needs a long thing. It was a, a simple story. I probably won't rewatch it again. And it's a pity that it's hit what may well be the low point of the season. And I'm going to cut short, I'm going to say, because I think Ian's given me his man flu. Yes, yes, that's my plan all along. I licked your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) One thing thing Dave mentioned about BBC America, they've been very good about uh, extending the episodes if they're a little bit longer this season. Uh, They've ran several times four or five minutes over an hour uh, with commercial breaks. So uh, I don't know if that quite fits anymore, Dave. That's good. I mean, it's good to hear oh, that they're okay. you know, that they're keeping the full uh, full length. So, yep. Are they, well, we not did, doing? Sorry, go ahead, we did hear from uh, somebody on the on the live show that they are uh, maybe it was Perry indeed from um, the culture page. It says uh, you don't watch BBC America for your first viewing because it makes it a little bit complicated to follow. And certainly Rick Wall had had issues, although I think he hadn't had a particularly good sleep. So. They found it difficult to follow, but it was very, really a fairly straightforward story. In fact, it was basically the same story as last week. Uh, uh, you know, hist- historic humans with puny weapons up against aliens, um, yeah, which is true. exactly what happened last week. One thing they have been doing on BBC America is they've been cutting out the end credits and going directly into their next show. Yeah, they find that really annoying. Yeah. Because they don't show the uh, the next time trailer. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of BBC America and time slots, I've heard that the last episode of the series is going to be around 60 minutes in length. Hmm. Yes. So, we'll see. Yep. Yeah. Uh, knowing BBC America, I would have thought they'd show the next time trailer in about uh, two-thirds of the way through the present episode in one of the breaks. <laughs> Actually, what they've been doing is showing it during the first commercial break of the following show. Well, they were doing and they were doing this thing um, where near the beginning of the season, where about 45 minutes in, they would show you a little clip of something that hasn't happened yet in the show. You know, sort of a stay tuned, you know, sort of thing. They they do that with uh, Graham Norton and it's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, they do it all the time. It's like they're coming up, you know, they go to but, commercial and the, the commercial is. But those last 15 minutes of Doctor Who, that's when, you know, that, that's when lots of stuff happens and you're like, oh, he does that. Oh, yeah. and they did do that. Know? They did do that last night as well. Or Ugh. yeah, last night. Yeah, I haven't watched it on BBC America for a few weeks. Yeah, it's I think people think we're the, that we've got a really short attention span. They said, anyway, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> Touche. Yes. Oh, I, but, uh, I was looking. Yeah. At, I was looking at a bird over here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, is that anyway. David Tennant? No, actually, it is. We're we're closing <laughs> in on David Tennant because um, <laughs> you guys are gonna love me for this. I told everybody this is a line for Dave Cooper. Yes. And they've all lost, and they all left. <laughs> they all left. They went. They, uh, said, no, it's not David Tennant. It's David Cooper. And they said, "Who's Dave Cooper?" I said, uh, yeah. "Yeah, I think he had a wine podcast or something." You mean my fame hasn't crossed the great pond yet? Crikey. No. So anyway, since uh, we're closing in on David Tennant and uh, these guys can get their uh, their autographs, uh, 
I think we should uh, close out and go home. It is getting a little darker than Moors anyway. So. I, I, I see a problem here. What's that? Well, we've got to say goodbye from five people, and we've got a NASA guy who's not going to get that right. No, <laughs> he's not. But it's going to be fun to watch, right? Here we go. <laughs> sure. It's time to get out of here. So <laughs> it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from Jeff, the seventh doctor. And it's goodbye from Perry. And it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the sixth doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Time to get out of here, so <laughs> it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. Let's see, who do I go with? It's goodbye from Jeff, the seventh doctor. And it's goodbye from Dave AC Cooper. Yes. <laughs> there yeah, we go. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. You were saved, Perry. I didn't I didn't get to screw it up. <laughs> I saved you, Perry. <laughs> See, my problem is I can never remember who goes last. I'm always last. All but right, who, all right. <laughs> but, but who's on first? What's on second? <laughs> I don't know. Come Third on. base. Oh, Working with amateurs. Let's try again. <laughs>